From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 159. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. Karis Customs, it's quality, bro. And Field Notes, I'm not writing it down to remember it later, I'm writing it down to remember it. Now, The Pen Addict is a weekly show where we discuss pens, paper, and the analog tools that we love so dearly. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the Ayatollah of Ink, Mr. Brad Dowdy. <laughs> you don't start this again. I don't know why I wanted <laughs> to do it today, but I felt you're gonna like get, kicking out old school. You're going to get so much trouble for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> here we go. Yep, <laughs> I don't know, man. Go. I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing it or not, but I did it today. I'm going to tell Kanuni uh, Renishin on you, and uh, it, it's going to be on. <laughs> I'm ruining everything for everyone. <laughs> well, what's up, buddy? You, you, uh, you're you back from a long uh, world travels. Are you resting your head on a bed of retro 51s? I wish. I think I'm a little sleep deprived, hence the crazy, you know, rhymes again today. Yeah, I, I would imagine. That's good. Uh, loopy Mike on the podcast. It's usually Caffeine Brad, but uh, we'll yep. go with Loopy Mike today. So, uh so that's good. So, uh, so WWDC, you were there last week, and and when you travel or when I travel, I like to I like to know two things. Number one, what did you take with you personally, and then number two, what was the uh, the pin spotting situation like uh, at WD- WWDC, and you know, did you see anyone, uh, any listeners, any pin news? So, so start start me off with what uh, you took personally. Uh, when you when you traveled on on this special occasion, I will say WWDC for anyone who doesn't know is Apple's worldwide developer conference um, that they hold in San Francisco every year, and uh, I attend not to to attend the conference itself, um, but to hang out with people. Um, like I have a lot of friends and stuff that do attend the conference or in and around San Francisco at that time of year, so I always go and hang out um, with them, so I get to see people and do business and stuff like that. So, uh, I didn't take anything super special. Um, I had a couple of field notes um, in different for variations and or sizes. Uh, I also took uh, two. I took a Retro Fifty One. I took a Karis Customs Ink. Um, I swear, all of this is not just because these these companies are our sponsors. Uh, and I think that was about it, really. Um, I didn't take too much this time because I didn't really expect to be using them very much, to be honest. So I, w- I went, I went pretty light on this on this travel. Your Karis Customs was a rollerball, right? Your rollerball ink? No, I took <clears throat> fountain pen. Really? Yeah, was it inked? It was inked. And it traveled well. Uh, I didn't actually use it when I was there. I didn't use pens at all for the entire week. Mm-hmm. Um. But I expect it to be okay. The reason I took it was because I thought if something's gonna leak, like that's the one that I'm confident would do the least damage, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that thing is is all tied up. Yeah, yeah. We actually got a um, uh, someone that uh, follows us on Instagram. I forget who it was. I didn't have this in the show notes. That uh, they're they're definitely on Team Mike. They traveled uh, with their fountain pens inked up and they leaked. So uh, they were they were on on Team Mike on that one. So happens yeah. man i'm telling you yeah it happens it happens so um so when you got there you didn't really get to use any of your uh your stuff but did uh did you have any uh pin adventures any uh any pin listeners readers anyone you meet up with there out at wwc dc outside of the uh apple folks you were looking to meet so there were definitely a few people um so i saw a good friend of the show mr doug beal who is a, a real help in the chat room every week um yeah doug me and Doug hung out a little bit. Uh, Doug, Doug was Doug's Doug the was man. in and around the town, so he come and was hanging out with us a touch. And uh, Doug brought his relay shirt with some fabric mm-hmm. pens, and he got mm-hmm. uh, like basically everybody that was there from relay to sign the shirt, which oh, prompts me to say that that uh, fabric pens suck. <laughs> There's no good way to sign a t-shirt. Like, right? It just doesn't work. It's really upsetting. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't reviewed any fabric pens, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you there, or I don't know what to tell Doug there. <laughs> yeah, it was that was terrible. And I also uh, met a good friend of the show and host of the Erasable Podcast, Mister Andy Welfley. Yay! Awesome. He told me he was uh, going to try to sneak up on you uh, when you were out there and and stab you in the back with a uh, sharpened pencil. Um, but yeah, I'm glad y'all got to meet up. That's great. 
He didn't do the pencil stabbing. Yeah, he was. I was just making that up. Um, but we did hang out. We uh, went to see it, to, went to a comedy show together, and it was really good fun. And it was really nice to see him. Um, he's taller than I thought he would be. <laughs> yes, he gets that in uh, listening to the Erasable show um, and his travels here recently from New York and San Francisco. That seems to be a recurring theme that uh, he gets the, oh, you're taller than I anticipated. <laughs> he's taller than me, so... Yeah, and you and I are about the same height, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually posted a picture of us uh, on Instagram, and I'll, I'll put that in the into the show notes. Cool, cool. Well, good. Uh, did you come away with any Apple pens? No, I was considering going to the company store, but ran out of time because that's yeah. now closed down. But my understanding, though, is actually there basically wasn't anything in the company store because they closed it down for renovations. So I probably I probably been a waste of time anyway. Yeah, I saw a picture of it was uh, empty, so uh, I don't. The timing must not have uh, timing wouldn't have worked out. I don't think. Well, but good. So it's a good get, trip. Yeah, I, I got a couple of presents, but I'm going to talk oh, about wow. those later on in the show. Nice, nice. All right. So, uh, you ready to move on from there? Go yeah, on to I the am. next topic. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling here myself coming up in August. Uh, me and Mister Jeff Brockwickwee of a uh, not co we will be at the dc pin show which mm-hmm. i've let some people know about um i figure it's getting close enough to let everyone know that we will be there at the pin show but knock will not have a table there what we are doing is thanks to the kindness of lisa van s she has basically hired us for the weekend to work the uh the van s booth on saturday and sunday at the DC pin show. So Jeff and I are getting in Thursday afternoon. We'll have Thursday night, Friday to hang, check out the show, uh, meet and greet anyone. You know, we don't have any plans. You know, maybe we'll do like a meetup type of thing, like in the hotel, kind of how we did in Atlanta. And uh, then we'll be busy working Saturday and Sunday. But uh, if you're going to the DC pin show, we definitely want to hear from you and want to meet up while we're there. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this, Mike. I think it should be fun. Can you explain the significance of the DC pen show if anybody doesn't know? Because I didn't know this until you told me. It's apparently the biggest pen show in the world. Um, that may not be a, a factual statement, but it's definitely the biggest in the U.S. Um, there's probably some bigger ones in Japan um, and things like that. But it's it's basically the pen show that you go to. It's exponentially bigger than a show like Atlanta. I mean, we're like several degrees of... of biggerness than the Atlanta show in size, in attendance, in vendors. I mean, this is one where worldwide vendors will travel to this show. Like in LA and DC are the two shows that really draw from outside the country. So it's a really big deal. Um, It's definitely the biggest one in the US just as far as I think um, capacity goes, just the amount of people they push through there during the uh, during the weekend of the show. And uh, it, it's a pretty big deal, and I'm happy to be going as more or less a visitor um, on my first go-round, so then maybe next year we can figure out if we're up for uh, having a table there at, at D.C., which um, is something we would like to do, but we're definitely not doing it this year. But we might have some things to sell, but we're not going to do the whole uh, knock-blowout type stuff um, You know, while we're there. We're just not going to have time. Are you going there like partly to scout it? Like Partly to get to an scout idea it. is if you could or would want to. Right. So we're going to scout it. And Lisa was actually very helpful in this. She says, I actually wish I had gone and scouted it first because last year was her first DC pin show. And she was overwhelmed with just the size and scope and the busyness of the show. Um, so we're actually working for her on Saturday and Sunday because she needs the help because it's so busy. Um, and she doesn't have some of her usual usual helpers that she brings with her on the show. So she offered to, to bring us up there for that. And uh, as long as we'd work for her on Saturday and Sunday. And we're like, yeah, that'd be great. And that way we can get a feel for the show. She says that would have been super helpful for her before last year just to kind of know what to expect. Because there was so much that she was caught off guard with just because it's so busy. Um, it's not like an, uh, another pin show experience um, can get you ready for this show. So I'm looking forward to it. I know a bunch of uh, readers and listeners have, have go to, gone to D.C. Um, I know that if, you know, a lot of Fountain Pen fans, that if there's one show they travel to during the year, it's the D.C. show. Um, so I expect it will be... Uh, 
quite packed, and I, I look forward to it. Um, it. It should be really, really exciting, I think. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> well, you can get on a plane. I don't know if I can make another trip. Uh, <laughs> currently, I'm, I'm definitely back in the States in October. I might be mm-hmm. back in September. Yeah. Did you apply yeah, for so, XO? So I applied for XO, yeah. So that's so I'm going to DC in August, middle of August. So that's the 13th through the 16th. I'm going to Las Vegas just for a quick trip the beginning of first week of September and then I'm hopefully hopefully going to Portland what the third week of September of September. So that's pretty nuts if uh, all of that comes through. Yeah. XO so, yeah. is a not is a not it's not decided in the Hurley household yes. yet as to whether we're going. No, I mean, not even if the, we're getting in. We'd, we've not yet decided if we're actually going to go um, just because of the cost to, yes. to get us both out there for the week and, and because we're trying to stay for a place right now, so it might not be the best thing yes, to do. Yes, and I'm in the exact same situation. I've applied, and if I get in, I don't have a firm decision on whether I'm going to spend the money to go. Yeah, exactly. We just figured we'd we'd apply because if we get decline then it kind of answers it for us in some yep. ways yeah um, so that's not a hundred percent on me if i get if i'm lucky lucky enough to be picked it's definitely not a hundred percent that i'm going so it's just on the calendar so yeah it's a busy next uh next few months and um you know Knox one year anniversary is coming up uh next week so we're getting busy for that so it's just it's it's a busy time for me like these these summer months which should be uh laid back relaxing are uh, pretty much uh, hammer time all summer which you, is good are you doing anything special for the anniversary um not big super special we're introducing a new product and our new colorway is going to be widely available the green the green and yellow colorway is going to come in all the cases and then we'll be introducing a new paper product which hopefully i can announce next week uh, or maybe the week after we'll see it might i don't know if it's going to be before or after the 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 25th so we'll see maybe next week i can announce the new paper product so but it'll be cool yeah it will be very cool actually i know what it is and it is <laughs> sneaky sneaky yeah mm-hmm. so uh yeah it's gonna be good i'm pretty excited about it just pretty excited about it and uh it, it's different than the notebooks we've done already so i'll just leave it at that all right should i take a break yeah sure This week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial at lynda.com slash penaddict. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash penaddict. Lynda.com is for people that want to learn great stuff. It's for people that want to solve problems. It's for people that are curious about new things or people who want to just make things happen in their lives. Maybe you are somebody, you have a job, you love your job, but you want to get better at it, right? This is something that many people feel or maybe you have a side business. You love your side business, you want to get better at it and turn it into your real job. These are the types of things that Lynda.com can help you with, right? They can help you learn new skills that you can help apply in other ways. So maybe you want to learn body language and negotiation tactics to make you better in the boardroom, right? You want to be able to go in and get the job done. Maybe you want to learn how to make an iPhone app, right? It's something you've always wanted to do. You can go and do it. Maybe you want to learn how to use marketing correctly to create shareable content. They have viral marketing courses. Maybe you're just wanting to get started with a business. They have courses on bootstrapping your business. They have courses on like uh, how to like business fundamentals, marketing fundamentals. They have getting things done like so you can be productive. They have courses on everything at lindo.com. You can go from start to finish creating a business if you want with these guys. They are absolutely fantastic. And the people that they're going to have teaching you are absolute experts. They're really passionate about teaching and they will basically make sure that you can learn exactly how you want when you want. You can watch their videos in any order that you like. They're broken down into bite-sized pieces to make them easy to pick up and also easy to move them around if you need to. You can stream these courses on demand, allowing you to learn on your at your own schedule and you can also learn wherever you want as well with their Android and iOS devices you can learn on the go. You can browse each course transcript so you can follow along or you can even search those transcripts later to find an answer and skip right to that point in the video. You can also create Create and save playlists of your courses that you want to watch to customize your own path of learning. You can then later share them with your friends, colleagues, and team members so they can learn the same way that you have. Your Lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. 
Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, whether you're passionate about a hobby, or if you just want to learn something new, go and visit lynda.com slash penaddict, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash penaddict, and you'll be able to get your free 10-day trial. This will also help support the show, so if you're looking for a way to support this podcast, go to lynda.com, sign up, try out a few courses, and if you like it, stick around and learn awesome stuff. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So what do we have, Mr. Dowdy? We have the new Blackwing volumes. Uh, just came in the limited edition subscription thing that they were doing. We talked about recently. You remember that? Yeah. So this one's called Blackwing Volume 725. And we'll have a link in the show notes to go to the story um, about why they chose that number. And it's basically around um, the Newport Folk Festival. Um, some numbers relating to that. And it's also a kind of a, a guitar-based uh, sunburst finish on the pencil. What do you think about the look of this pencil, Mike? I think it looks very nice. Very nice. It's really, it's really good looking. So you're not a subscriber of this, right? I, I would no. assume not. No. It doesn't seem like your thing. So I'm a subscriber. I got mine in on Saturday. They are really, really beautiful pencils. Um, I am very much going to enjoy using them. I'm using them today for the um, show notes. Um, they're writing wonderfully. I have um, read the uh, all, all the pencil guys. Uh, Johnny and Tim and Andy um, have kind of gone over what's on the inside of this pencil, like what the uh, the core graphite is, and they are thinking it's it's very similar to what the Blackwing Pearl is. Um, I I certainly don't have that uh, fine of a of a knowledge of the pencils to know, but it's a very soft, very uh, it's a little bit dark lead. Um, it's real nice to write with. Of course, all these Blackwings are are really nice to write with. So I have one dilemma, and that's in, this is the first time with a pencil that I've actually been not thrilled with my classroom-friendly pencil sharpener. Now, what the classroom-friendly pencil sharpener does, it gives you a very, very long, pointy point. So it, uh, it sharpens the pencil unbelievably well, unlike any sharpener I've ever used before. Why classroom-friendly? Yeah. Is that a brand? I don't That's the brand. Classroom friendly is I've the brand. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. We've talked about it on the show. Glad you're paying attention. I don't remember. How long ago did we talk about woodcase pencils? <laughs> we, we've talked about it before just because it's the sharpener I use. But what it does is it leaves teeth marks. Uh, it's got this clamping system when you, um, when you sharpen it, it leaves teeth marks. On any other pencil, it, that doesn't hasn't bothered me at all. On this one, it does because... This pencil is really all about this sunburst finish, and it really detracts from it. So I got to get, um, I need to get a new sharpener, and I've been looking at this sharpener that uh, a bunch of the uh, the pencil bloggers have been reviewing called the Coom Masterpiece Sharpener. It's a metal handheld sharpener. It's like a two-phase sharpener. You sharpen the, you strip away the wood in one side of the sharpener, and then you sharpen the point of the lead in the other side of the sharpener, and you get the same long huh. point that the classroom friendly does that's what that was for i remember these as a kid mm. and i just thought they were for different sizes of pencils i had no idea yeah. that that's what the one and two are for yeah so what it does it gives that lot i'm not such i'm not a huge pencil guy so when i use them i really prefer the really long sharpened point you know how you can get like the real short sharpened point on a pencil right you know what i mean like a real short kind of cone sharpening these i was a, a really short long one when i was a kid yeah, that's not surprising. Ones. You're still a short guy. Uh, and next to Andy. Pencils. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want a long point sharpener like the classroom friendly. And so I think the, the Coom masterpiece is going to be something I need to look in. But if there's anything else out there, listeners, that I need to look at to get the same kind of point I'm getting on the classroom friendly sharpener in a handheld sharpener that's not going to put teeth on my... Uh, pencil and i know i can i can modify the uh, classroom friendly sharpener and i I just haven't done it um to get rid of these teeth marks but this is a it really hasn't bothered me till now just because this pencil is so cool to look at and uh as i use it it's just going to go up the barrel and uh it's going to look kind of ridiculous so it'll look like a woodpecker uh ate my pencil so anyway the black wing volumes um they nailed it on their first release which is a good thing they um 
the packaging was great the design was great the story was great um it's across the board um they really did exactly what you need to do to launch a new product especially one that's relatively expensive to be quite honest so you kind of got to nail it right out the gate and uh, i think they did i think this is a this is a home run and i'm anxious to see what they do um three months from now when they uh, release the uh, the next quarterly edition so i'm real happy with it i saw a few people um mentioning and i don't know if they were complaining that there appears to be white underneath the collar. Yes. Is that a problem? I don't know. I don't know. It seems like a feature to me, but okay. I I'm think I I don't know how pencils are finished, but there must be a white lacquered layer underneath and then the other layer on top of it. I don't I don't know. I won't pretend to know how they're finished because the stamping is white on the pencil, so I don't know if that's the underlayer. So, we'll have to see. I, I, maybe someone can answer that for us. I don't know enough about the, the pencil design, but yeah, there's definitely so like when you sharpen it, like the little the little wave of the sharpener around the edge of the the paint job on the pencil, that edge is white. So that doesn't bother me, but uh, I mean, I could I don't know. Maybe it's a some issue for some people. Maybe they just want it to be straight up the uh, the color of the uh, the sunburst. But we'll see. We'll see. So we'll have to find out. Someone give me an answer on that if. Uh, that's really a big deal, but uh, it's not a big deal to me. What is a big deal to me, Mike? Our Sailor Fountain Pens. Mm. For some reason that I don't have an answer for, Sailor, in my opinion, does a better job with keeping their product line up to date than both Pilot and Platinum combined. So those three get lumped in together as the big three Japanese fountain pen brands. I think Pilot is my favorite just from a nib quality feel standpoint writing. Sailor makes the most, the best looking pens out of the crew and they make the most variety of pens. They're always introducing, you know, a limited edition. They're doing something crazy with the colors and they're doing it at a price point in line with their other pens. Pilot and Platinum don't seem to do that. They don't seem to have the change, the turnover in their product lineup as frequently. Platinum, as a matter of fact, just came out with a really cool pen that I've been waiting for and has kept me off the... Uh, the Platinum 3776 because of the gold furniture. They just came out with rhodium plated furniture in like a smoke black and a chartreuse blue, uh, really deep, deep translucent barrel that are super pretty. So Platinum's just done that, but they've had the same 3776 line for years with no change in it. And Pilots had the same, you know, 91, 74, 92, 912 line for years. Sailor has their same stock lines, Pro Gear, Pro Gear Slim, uh, 1911, but then they supplement those lineups all the time with new pens. So I've just ordered one of the new limited edition ones, and it's the Sapporo, which is the Pro Gear Slim. It's called the Sailor Pro Gear Slim Starburst Galaxy Fountain Pen. So have you clicked over to this link, Mike? Yeah, I wish I could see a bigger image of this. Yeah, it's a really cool. It's like a um, if it's yeah, it's black. It's like a black resin barrel with like glitter. Um, I guess it's, it's like... kind of glittery. It's supposed to, you know, it's, it's called the Starburst Galaxy. It's supposed to look like the night sky filled with stars. It's really, really pretty. Of course, it it's a rhodium trim pen, so that's what got me interested in it first. And it's dark, and um, the sparkles look great, and it's fairly priced for. Um, a limited edition of 500 it's 199 where I think the regular Sapporo Slims are like around 149 I'd have to go back and look. But it's not like double the price or, or crazy, uh, you know, some crazy price. Um, and Sailor seems to do this better than Pilot and Platinum. For some reason, I don't know. You know, there's always something cool popping up in Sailor's, Sailor's lineup. And, you know, I don't want to complain about... Um, Pilot and Platinum because I love those pens a lot too, but uh, it always seems like Sailors kind of creep into the top of the list with the uh, 
with the non-stock items. They do a really good job. So I wanted to point that one out because I haven't really heard anyone talking about it. And to me, this is this is this pin really speaks to me. I mean, this is this thing's right up my alley. So I ordered it. It doesn't ship until November. Um but uh, I'm anxious to get it, and I will be using it right away when it arrives. So this is Sailor's the same one, Mike, that I sent you the link to the pen that um, <clears throat> that you didn't like because you're not a big demonstrator fan. But they like did that that Piccadilly Circus one, that red kind of uh, demonstrator. Yeah, I remember one that. I sent you a while back. Like you didn't like that, but I like the fact just that they make that pen. Period. You know, whether it's uh, necessarily you know, up your alley or not, just the fact that they're doing things like that, um, it really makes me a fan of Sailor a lot. Yeah. So something I'm not a fan of, Mike, and um, I think it's fair, is uh, Moleskines. Not a, not a big Moleskin guy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, Moleskine. in this world, Moleskine, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, and it, there's nothing inherently wrong with Moleskin. I don't want to eviscerate them for no good reason it's just that they're not the most friendly paper for all types of inks it's a fact they're just not so there was an article in the new yorker uh, by a gentleman named david Sachs this weekend it says why startups love moleskines and you know he just went through the um the spiel he's actually once i got to the end of the article and uh I, i'm gonna i'm gonna jump to the end and read the highlight on David Sachs. David Sachs is the author of Save the Deli and the Tastemakers. His next book, The Revenge of Analog, will be publishing in the spring. So he has a, he has a vested interest in publishing this article. So I, I just wanted to point that out. So he's writing a book about this. But his his uh, anecdote was, you know, going to a startup conference and seeing, you know, everyone at the startup conference whip out their moleskins instead of their computers or or tablets or phones or whatever. And that's cool. It's awesome. But to regurgitate the moleskin marketing in an article like this, um, and he, he admits that. He says it can be attributed to its marketing, which is built on its associations with such famous creatives as Chatwin, Hemingway, Picasso, and Van Gogh. It just makes me want to vomit every time I hear that because it's a crappy product. I mean, Moleskin wins at marketing. They don't win at making good products. And I actually had a Twitter exchange with him. I sent something. I said, I'm not looking at the tweets, but so I'm paraphrasing. I said something on the order of, you know, imagine what all these startup guys and girls would uh, would accomplish if they used actually used a good product. You know, something along those lines, you know, kind of in my ornery way, you know, get off my lawn. A little so bit. And, is uh, he saying that it's good? Is he saying it's bad? Like, what is this guy's opinion on these products? Um, he, he it was his answer to my tweet was generic. I mean, it was it was well, you know, any products can have you know any arena, any genre, any product line, any type of thing can have better choices throughout. Um, the entirety of what's available in the world. And I was like, well, that's kind of a cop-out answer. And so I said, the only thing Moleskin is the best at is marketing, and that's why it's so popular. And, it, you know, it was a, you know, I was, it was not a very, you know, on Twitter conversations are not very um, helpful so it, it was you know i wasn't gonna get in a twitter fight over it because and i don't think it's his he's saying that the moleskin is the best notebook but it's just it's basically a moleskin marketing article and it just makes me ill because there's so many better products than this out there and that was kind of the point i was trying to make make even though maybe i didn't make it um appropriately um but moleskin's marketing is such a powerhouse they get that get that name out there and it just kind of um it just kind of infiltrates everything and i wish there was a way, way to make it stop because you know there's better pro so many better products out there uh, you know if you if you took the name off of it and did basically you know your blind taste test like you would with you know coke or pepsi and you put three notebooks out there blindly um i, I 
you would find that no, the moleskin would finish last in most ink tests and uh, most writing tests. So I, I just thought it's a fine. It, this is the kind of article you're going to get out of the New Yorker, and I don't have it a complaint about that. I mean, it's nice to see, you know, the analog. It's always nice to see the analog stuff getting written about, but the moleskin love in the public domain in the non-pen addict world um i just i just don't like to see it i'd like to sh- i'd like to shake these people a little bit and say there's better things out there let's not go with the one that you think hemingway picasso and van gogh used <laughs> and let's go with one that like works better for what you need to do today so that's that's my soapbox for today is that okay yeah that's fine i just want to make sure I- you're okay yeah, I'm okay. Sorry, am I am I allowed more than one soapbox? Well, I'll just show? I'll just add to it and say like, look, so many people that that I know use these products, and and it is the yeah. market. It's one hundred percent marketing. Like they don't even know why they're using them. Yes. Like yeah. it's just that like, this is the notebook. Like, what are you talking yep. about? This is the notebook. Right. You you the answer is wait. You mean there's other notebooks like this? Yeah, exactly. This is the one. I mean, they literally do not know. So. Yep. That's our job. That's why we're here, Mike. We're spreading the word, spreading the gospel. Should we take a break? We should. This week's episode of The Pen Addict is also brought to you by our friends over at Karis Customs. Karis Customs are an awesome pen maker. They're based in Mesa, Arizona. All of their stuff is made in their own shop, and they are proud that they are based in the US of A. These guys make a whole range of awesome products. They make the Render K, the Ink, the Bolt, and the Retract which are just all fantastic. You can get them in beautiful colors. The retract you can get in a great two-tone now as well, which goes back to like, you know, it's like old Parker pens or whatever. They just make such beautiful, beautiful stuff made of great materials like the aluminum that they have. They have uh, brass or copper as well. Um, you, you can, I like the aluminum stuff, but if you want something with a nice bit of weight, you know, you can go for the brass or copper ones as well. Although, you know, you can mix and match a little bit, you know, you can go for, I have a nice gray aluminum with a brass grip. I know, Brad, you have a similar one, right? You have the yeah. red aluminum. I, this is in the ink. Yeah, in the ink. So I love this pen I, and I just ordered it um, in May. <clears throat> So I've only had it a few weeks, and God, I love this pen. It's the it's the ink fountain pen with the the uh, red anodized barrel with the brass section. So it's uh, called the Iron Man because um, the colors match perfectly to Iron Man's suit. And um, not just that, I mean, I I get physical enjoyment <laughs> out of using this pen because it's so different than you know, a lot of the, uh, the resin based barrels that most fountain pens are in that, you know, if you, if you pulled out my pen case right now, you know, it's probably all resin barrels and I have this one killer metal barrel. And, um, I love using it because it's so different and it writes so well. And, um, I, I do want to have, um, not to totally hijack your read. I do have a pro tip for the, uh, the ask TPA. Um, the first, uh, first question we have is how would you recommend getting a stub or a talic nib on a Karis Customs ink? So I do that. I use the um, Franklin Christoph nibs to swap into the Karis Custom ink. So you can do that um, to give you a more variety of the, the nibs that they ship with. So it's good that it's customizable that way. And I this pen is going to rank really highly like when I do my next uh, personal list because I, I can't put I can't put it down. They really do make fantastic stuff. Like I, my pro tip is to buy two inks in different colors, <laughs> and you can swap the caps and stuff around. You know, I like to be able to that's do that. That's pretty cool. I think that's a lot of fun too. They're just these. The stuff that Karis Customs turn out is just so fantastic. Like they understand what it's like to be pen addicts, right? And they yep. make stuff with love and care for pen addicts like us. Like they have the also the guys and gals over there, they have a real connection with their customers. They're super proud of this, and they try their hardest to to make this something that they put at the core of what they do. They make their pens by hand. They ship them out themselves, and they interact on Instagram and, and stuff like that directly with the people that love and use their stuff. You know Dan Bishop. We're talking about him on the show. I've had him on the show a few times. You know how great a guy he is. You know he's right at the fore with Cars Customs. And making this great stuff. Now, our friends over at Karis Customs are offering a 15% discount for listeners at the Pen Addict. If you use the code Pen Addict in the 
in the cart before checkout, in the shopping cart before checkout. This code is good until Father's Day, June 21st. Um, everything that, that Karis Customs makes is durable enough to pass along to the next generation. So why not give the gift that could be passed along with Karis Customs? Thank you so much to Karis Customs for supporting this week's episode of The Pen Addict and helping us out at Relay FM. Unlike Thank some other you, stuff Karis. that we've spoken about, you can actually sign birth certificates and then hand them down, these things. You know? They're good <laughs> for that. They're good for that. They are good. They are good for that. This pen, this pen's going to last a long time. I love it. It's a, I'm getting serious enjoyment out of my newest Karis Customs ink. I should. I should. If you couldn't tell. Yep. And I, I used their 15% off code uh, to purchase it uh, last month um, that they offered up on the uh, pen attic. So I am not only a uh, a customer, I'm a big supporter and fan of their work. All right, we have a pen blog of the week, and it is a very great name. Um, using the the one of the new TLDs, Mike. Mm-hmm. It's called Gorgeous Dot Ink. Nice. Uh, how cool is that? So uh, this is Paul Joins. He has been following us on Twitter for a long time. I know he's a he's a listener mm-hmm. and reader, and he started this blog. I don't know. I want to say about. It's been six months. I don't. I don't know exactly how long. It's relatively new, but he does a really good job. He does tons of ink reviews. Um, takes really pretty pictures. Um, it looks fantastic. It has a great domain name. Um, you know, we we miss that dot ink bandwagon. Uh, ever since I've seen Paul's on there, I've been trying. To, I've been playing around with. You know, what can I come up with a with dot ink? And uh, I haven't come up one with a good one yet. But uh, I like gorgeous dot ink. It's easy to remember. And uh, Paul does a great job, so head over to gorgeous.ink and check out the pen blog of the week. And tell Paul we said hi. You do that. All right, so um, I've rambled on a lot this episode, but I I do have some uh, hashtag AskTPA questions. And please keep those coming in Twitter, even if I don't get to it today or Mike and I don't, don't cover it in this episode. This is a running list. We will get to questions and answer them um, as best we can and there's some really good stuff that y'all are coming up with um, in these questions so uh, one of them from from Mark Yeager I wanted to um, to go over he says what have you done to improve the mechanics of your handwriting were you blessed with good handwriting or had to work at it so I want to ask you something Mike first and I I promise I'm not going to make fun of you has your handwriting improved since you were younger or has it regressed i'm just curious do you think you had better handwriting when you were younger like say in school not like when you were a kid not like when you were eight but like when you were in high school no i think it's better now yeah I, i think mine is better now than it used to be yeah, I actually think mine is better now too, but I did always have I always kind of had neat handwriting. Um I was writing in cursive a lot um in school, that's all we wrote in, and mine was always clean and readable, but my handwriting's better now and it is actually because I had to work on it. So, I've told the story about how I had a drafting job um at one point after college and it was not on computer, it was all hand done. So, that actually improved the mechanics of my handwriting. Um, you do have to work at having good handwriting. Um, I think there is a little bit, you know, inherent in how you write and just how you are, kind of your personality. Um, it probably has to do with, you know, the pace and the speed and the intensity in which you write. But I think to improve it, to, to make it better, you have to work at it. Um, it's not going to come naturally. You can improve your handwriting. Um, I'm uh, proof of that. My handwriting was never awful, but my handwriting didn't take off until I worked at it at this drafting job. I'd go home, get a ledger pad, and just write letters over and over and over again. Write the alphabet, one letter at a time. You know, write A's all the way across the page. Write B's all the way across the page in the style that I wanted to... Um kind of build into my handwriting you know it's definitely a muscle memory thing you can change we've talked about changing certain letters or numbers like when i said i changed my four um of all things you know a year ago i literally had to work at it so now i always write my four in the new way where i didn't used to write it um so you have to work at it to get a good handwriting 
So, um, so we had a question from my other pants, and this is a really good, it's a good name. Um, good Twitter handle it says, can you have someone on to discuss dip pens, brushes, and fountain pens for drawing and sketching? And all I can tell you is I'm working on that and it's going to be a good one if I can make this happen. So yes, I can have someone and no, I won't tell you who it is until I can actually deliver it. <laughs> Everyday commentary wants to know why there's no swearing on the show. Um, do you want me to answer that, Mike? I know the answer. I'm yeah. raising my hand. Um, we do not want the explicit tag in the iTunes store. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't bother me to have the explicit tag. It's what the explicit tag does that, that is my issue. Like, what it, it, all swearing does is exclude people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, us, us keeping the, the show clean doesn't exclude anybody. Like, there isn't anybody that's going, God, I don't swear on this show. I will not listen. <laughs> but, but if we start swearing, there'll be two two things yeah. will happen. People won't, might not be able to listen around family members, um, and or they may be personally offended. So that's why we don't have yep. any swearing on the show. Yep. So no swearing on the show. Lots of swearing in real life. Yep. So we save it for that. All my pins wants to know about tips for caring for rubber grips, avoiding lint, dust, food. They attract everything and get yucky so easily. Why are they so popular? I have no idea, and there is no way to avoid that. It's just gross. Um, I always, whenever, the only rubber grip pen I use with any frequency is the uh, Jetstream Alpha, which is my favorite rubber grip pen, also because it takes the Jetstream refills, and I keep the 0.5 blue millimeter um, refill in that pen, and when I see it getting too grimy with lint or dust, I just wipe it off in a t-shirt, like a cotton t-shirt, um, just real softly, and just... Um, you know, it, until that stuff gets off, there's really no way to avoid it that I know of. Um, I wouldn't want to put any kind of chemical on it. I don't know how it would react to the um, to the different grip materials, but um, it's nothing but annoying. And um, the best thing you can do is not store it um, with other pens, pencils in a bag, and that's kind of hard to do. You kind of got to keep it separate from everything else. So this is a, this is an interesting one, Mike from Gorn Verbinski says when I hear the Pen Attic podcast music. This is what I see in my head. And he sent a picture um, on Twitter. I had no clue what that picture was. I couldn't tell anything about that picture. So I reversed image searched it. And it turns out it's the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, video for, what's the video called? Dinah, California? Dina, California? Is that right? Danny. Danny, California. Danny, California. So have you listened to the beginning of this song? No, I haven't. <laughs> you should. It's like, oh my god, that sounds like our intro. Um, it's pretty funny when you know I'm not a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, so I don't know their music, so it didn't it didn't come up up uh you know in my head uh, right away. But um, I'll be damned if the beginning of that doesn't sound like the beginning of our our podcast. So she, you you will have to check that out. Let me hear it now. Hang on. All right. Yeah, I know this song. Yeah, I can see that. I can see. Yeah, that. once I once I played it, I knew the song. Um, yeah, but yeah, I could totally see that um, being the having uh, definitely favoring it. You know what I think of when I hear the Panatic podcast music is Tim Wassum's kid bouncing up and down in the kitchen chair. Yeah, it, uh, that's that's all I will ever think of when I <laughs> when I hear the Panatic podcast music. So this is a good question in relation to our talk on custom pens, Lokes wants to know, would trying to get spare parts for custom pens prove to be an impossible task? That's a very good question. And my answer is no, because the parts that are going to break down in a custom pen are going to be the parts that are easily replaceable. A nib, a feed, a converter, those types of things. Your pen barrel which is really what you're buying from a custom pin maker, is not going to have a problem. I mean, if it is, you send it back to them, they fix it. But anything related to a clip, you know, any extra, you know, anything that the pin maker is not making themselves, that's the stuff that's the most easily replaceable. So I don't think that's a hang up at all in trying to get um, 
you know, any parts or replacement parts for custom pins. That would never um, come into the discussion or for me for uh, getting a custom custom pin. Now, this is a question I don't know the answer of, but I am very interested to know, and I should have done some research on it. So this is from Laray. Is there a known reason why blue ink is a standard when similar tones of other colors like green are unorthodox? I mean, the only answer that comes to my head is how most legal documents wanted some type of, of blue ink to separate themselves from the black on the paper so you could actually see the notations, the signatures, things like that. They wanted something non-black so it would stand out from any black printing. But I don't know if it goes back farther than that from, you know, older traditional iron gall inks. You know, did they, whatever the materials they were using, just leaned to that blue and, and then drying into black. But these days when you get a fountain pen, it almost always ships with like a blue cartridge. Um, and I don't know the real answer to that. Um, that's my only kind of sort of answer. Yeah, it's weird because blue feels like it's close to black or that it feels more conservative but i wonder if that's just the way i've been led to believe now right right i don't know if there is an like an actual legitimate documented answer on why that's the case but any you know if you get a new pen if you get a lamy you know it ships with a blue ink cartridge the only pen i've ever received where i got a black ink cartridge that i can think of um I think Pilots ships with black ink cartridges, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it seems like the vast majority is blue. Blue always seems to be the 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 one standard ink, and I'm not exactly sure why. So I don't know if there's a real reason behind that. So we got a few more few more to get to, but we want to talk about another one of our good friends, Mike. Yeah, this week's episode is also brought to you by Field Notes. So uh, I'm sure that everybody listening to this show right now knows that currently the Field Notes Colors edition that is available is the Workshop Companion edition. It is a six-book set in a custom sleeve. It comes with a set of stickers as well that is themed uh, with the books around electrical work, plumbing, painting, gardening, automotive, and woodworking. They are each a common project that is done around the house. Now... Uh, I mentioned I received a couple of gifts this week, and there are actually two sets of the Workshop Companion edition I received as gifts whilst in San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> Andy bought me a set, and also a friend of mine, Mr. John Voorhees, he also uh, grabbed me a set as well because he was nice. going to pick up some for himself um, at the store at the because he lives in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And he asked, considering he's seeing me, if I wanted some, and I said yes, and I also got him to pick me up a set of Arts and Sciences because I love those and they're going to be mm. all gone away soon. So I wanted to make sure I still had some. So I have them here. I have my own set. Um, the box, as you write, is very, very strong indeed. Yes. Um, I've already stuck some stickers to my laptop. Uh, I really like the way these guys look. They have a real nice retro f- look to them, like a very kind of like 50s style, you know, mm-hmm. like with the little two-tone color on the front, like the light and dark color. There's something good about them. It like it harkens back to a simpler time, which also ties quite nicely in with the theme of like the you know handiwork, you know. Oh There's yeah. Something about it that really works. And the thing that I'm most surprised about is the paper quality. This is mm-hmm. it's so thick. <laughs> yeah, this is the 70 pound paper. It's a little different than what than the type they've used in the. So the other 70 pound editions were. America the Beautiful and Shelterwood. So this yeah. makes the third one, but this is a different Finch paper yeah. than those other two. And it actually holds fountain pen ink better than any other field notes that I've used personally. So uh it has it's 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 more like textured and mm-hmm. I tried some ink tests on it and I used a bunch of fountain pens and there is no bleed through on this. Nope. Like it's kind of really surprising how well this stuff retains the ink. Like mm-hmm. it is not coming through. I even used if a you, marker pen. Yeah, if you look at it, you don't think it because it's off white and you can see the fibers in the paper. And so the first thing you think, just logically, think, well, this is going to be a little bit porous and it's going to uh, soak up the ink a little bit, and it really doesn't. It it does a great job. No, nope. I'm really impressed with this edition. I think it's beautiful. I I love the spines. You know with the, the the edition like saying what what 
color it is and that kind of thing and what you know what it's intended use is for uh, i love that each of the backs of them have like uh information about like electrical work like it has wire gauge information pipe size mm-hmm. information on plumbing um it, i really like that stuff i like it when they go that, that little extra just for yeah, you know for, for fun that's the edition I'm using today for the show notes is the electric edition with my uh, Blackwing pencil. It obviously handles pencil great. Of course. So, yeah, I really, really love this edition. If for some reason you have yet to, to pick up a set, then you really should do that. I, I really, really think you should. This is a great edition for you to start with or to buy as a gift. You know, we mentioned Father's Day. This is like a perfect Father's Day gift for someone. Um, this is I, I really think that this is one that people should own because it's so fun and unique. And I know these are going to sell out quickly, so you should probably get in there straight away and go get them. <laughs> yeah, so combine uh, this edition with your Karis Customs ink uh, fountain pen and you're golden. You're like the, the best son or daughter ever. Yep. This, yeah, I, I think these are really, really fantastic. I think you should check them out for yourself. You should go to fieldnotesbrand.com slash workshop. You'll find out all the information that you need there. You can buy them separately, as I mentioned, but you really should be buying a year-long color subscription so you just get these things mailed to you automatically because it's they're just so worth it. I've been very, always been very, very happy with my Field Notes editions, and, and I think that you will too. And if you buy a year-long color subscription, starting with Workshop Companion and use the code RELAY, you'll pick up three carpenter pencils and a three-pack of Pitch Black Memo books for free. They'll just chuck those in the order for you you want to hurry because when these things sell out they're gone and they won't be coming back so you gotta hurry up and get them field notes i'm not writing it down to remember it later i'm writing it down to remember it now all right speaking of um paper that works well with fountain pens this is one i don't have an answer to so i wanted to bring it to the crowd john p mcdaniel wants to know a good recommendation for stationary note cards that work well with fountain pens this is a very specific question i read this as like you know, the thank you cards, the heavy stock, thick, you know, maybe letter press like our friends at Hoban Cards, um, you know, that work well with fountain pens. Usually that thick paper and fountain pens generally don't go hand in hand. So I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of stationary like uh, Claire Fontaine um, and I'm, I'm wrecking my brain on the, the other name I'm, I'm missing at, at the moment that makes them really, really nice fountain pen friendly stationary but for a physical card say like a four by six that you're going to use as like a thank you note to someone that's really really specific and i never i've just haven't tested many of those to know what would work well with fountain pens there's just not a lot available in that arena so i don't know what it would uh what the real answer that is so if anyone has experience with a stationary note card that works well with fountain pens get in touch with us i I would like to know myself all right this next question i like a lot mike it's from phil walters just got a brand new uninked old stock pilot mu 701 how do you feel about buying pens just for an investment not to use i don't feel about that because i don't do it if i'm buying something i buy it to use um and that's a recurring theme with me. I'm not going to get into, I have more pens and paper and ink than any normal human being can use in the rest of their life. Even a family of 10, you know, they'd be stocked for the rest of their life. But I don't have any pens sitting here or any paper sitting here that I wouldn't use. You know, you know, I'm not using everything every day, obviously, but there's nothing I have ever purchase that sits unused because I want to keep it for an investment that never enters my mindset at all in any of this you know even with the field notes stuff sure I have plenty of old field notes but I'll crack open you know a butcher orange and use it I just don't care I'm buying this stuff to use and get personal enjoyment out of it um if I get into the investment thing that's yeah that's not my style that's not something I'm going to be looking for. So I, I buy stuff to use it. Um, and I, I, I know you're not as deep into it as me, Mike, but I, I have a feeling you're generally the same way. Yeah. I, uh, I would definitely agree with you. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, it's a good question. It's a valid question. Like a new old uninked old stock pilot, Mayu. Mu 701. That's actually that's a really hard pen to find. You know, it's from the 70s. Um, I'll, I'll, I don't own one because most of the ones I've seen are pretty well dinged up. But even if I bought a new one, I, I'd be inking up 
inking it up and using it. It's just, it's personal preference. You know, if you want to buy it for an investment, that's great. Yeah, I buy pens to use, not to, to store away. Like, yes, I, I, you know, I kind of find it hard to, I, I don't really want to say it outwardly because I don't want to criticize people. But yeah, I, that, yeah. if that's oh, what you want to yeah. do, then go for it. But like, I think yeah. that you're maybe denying yourself or somebody else uh, the use of a great pen. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's no criticism at all. You know, there's there's all kinds of ways to, to do this. Do what you like, do what you want to do. Um, I just don't personally use it. So, I mean, I just don't personally not use them. I always use what I purchase. So, yeah, that's all good. So, Orlita Z um, has a question about where I've mentioned several choices for customizing nibs. But her question was most of the big name guys say Masuyama or Madashaw they're looking at three to four months turnaround time. Who else is out there? You know, pre, please provide links to Nimmeisters we can send expensive pins to. So I use Mike Masayama yacht a lot. Um, I've never used John Modishaw outside of making a purchase from him. That's nibs.com where I bought uh, Nakaya from. But I do use Sean Newton a lot, and his turnaround time is very reasonable. Um, so we'll put a link to him in the show notes. It's in the weeks, not months range. And Dan Smith, um, who I have not used, who is at the nibsmith.com, but I plan on using Dan here soon. And everyone I've talked to or read about who's used Dan raves about his work. And I think he's, I don't know what his schedule's like, but I think he's probably more in the one month range than the three month range. So Sean Newton and Dan Smith are definitely people who come highly recommended and whose time to return their pen um, is not in the quarter of a year range. So you would get it, um, you would get it back quickly. All right, main suitcase or <laughs> man in suitcase. Wow, we got some good Twitter handles today. Could you recommend a super dark void-like black ink? For me, that is the Noodler's Borealis Black. And that's the darkest that I've used personally. There's others that will say Noodler's Heart of Darkness. I have not compared the two directly. Looking at pictures, I think Borealis is darker. Um, Borealis was made in retaliation. not the right word. But in uh, Aurora Black, it's considered the darkest standard black ink. So Noodler's kind of played off Aurora's name and made Borealis black to mimic um, Aurora's black. So between Aurora black and Noodler's Borealis black, I haven't used a darker black ink. Um, in the chat room, reference error says Borealis is horrible on almost all paper. I've never had a problem with it, although I don't use it that frequently. Whenever I have used it, like on Rhodia and things like that, I've never had um, an issue. But, um, you know, I, I won't profess to having using it on all kinds of different papers. So we'll have to see. And um, between Aurora Black, Borealis Black, and what most people would say is Noodler's Heart of Darkness, those are probably your three best choices. So what's the best mechanical pencil, Ed, Mike? I really don't know. I have no idea. I, I didn't even really know there was much of a difference. Maybe that makes me there is worse. there is, and the Uni Nano Dia is the one. When I asked other people, um, what th this exact question because I've uh, wondered myself. That's the name that comes up most frequently. Um, it's a low wear lead, meaning it's not going to um, um shape the tip you know as much it's going to keep the tip better and you so you see what if you're not using a kuratoga um where you won't have to twist the pencil around to get you know a nice sharp point so nano dia uni nano dia that's n-a-n-o-d-i-a -A, um is the lead that i always when i ask this question to other people that's the answer i always get so we'll see that's uh if anyone has any other recommendations um let us know. So Supermassive wants to know, can we please have an update on the paper products you guys are using right now behind, beyond the usual field notes? I'll answer that, Mike, because you only use field notes, right? There's not yeah. really other stuff laying around. I don't, I don't use anything else. So I use... God, I use a lot. I use the field notes. I use the knock. 
um, whatever we call our notebooks, <laughs> the, the black fountain pen friendly ones. I love those obviously, but I'm biased. I use most Rhodia A5 pads, whether it's either grid or dots, spiral bound or perf staple bound. And I use Moriman a fair amount for their um, memo sign pads just because they're really, really high quality. And I like the spiral binding on those. Um, those are probably the four I use the most. And then like at work, I use the, the Doan Idea Journal, the big one. I use it a lot. And every now and then I sprinkle in the life notebook which I haven't really gotten into yet and I don't know I'm still figuring that one out so yeah for me it's field notes knock rhodia mormon don't um outside of that it's just one off here and there stuff um Midori's one I keep uh, threatening to get into more um just haven't yet um but that's the main the main group the the fivesome my uh my five sum of paper um is, is those guys. All right, last one for today because I know we've run long and I'm not even close to finishing all the ask TPA questions. So please keep those coming because this is a uh, really really good stuff that uh, helps me learn more too. Like today, Mike, going off uh going off the chart here, I learned and did you know this? I did I reviewed the constructor titanium pen on my blog today, and in Europe. It's common to say the common size for a G2 refill is what we, what I personally consider a Parker refill. But in Europe, when you say G2 refill, that means the Parker compatible style, not pilot G2 refill. Did you know that? No, and I'm very confused by what you just said. Yeah, it's confusing. (laughs) You'll have to read my, you'll have to read my review today. Um, But uh, yeah, so this pen so the parker the parker style refill you know what i'm talking about right so it's like the fisher space pen refill the moleskin gel refill the shorter yeah refill okay apparently in europe if you say a g2 sized refill that's what they're talking about hmm. it's the number or nomenclature for that size refill in europe it doesn't have anything to do with Pilot G2, which is a completely different size refill. So, oh, I always got really confused by that because I thought they meant the Pilot G2. Yeah, no. Right, so okay. I learned that learned that today. Thanks. That uh, explains why I was always kind of confused about that then. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, Mike Dudek and uh, Jimmy Reeks uh, clarified that for me today. So I appreciate that. Okay, so last one, and it's also related to refills. So... Radalaf. I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Refilling rollerball refills. Are you tracking me here? You understand what I'm saying? Refilling rollerball refills. Are you still up for sharing my techniques if you're interested? Blue, black ink, and a retro 51. So this is interesting. <laughs> I've never talked to Radalaf before, but um I would be interested to see how many people use, say, a Schmidt P8126 refill, empty it out, and put in a different ink. I think that's what he's getting at here, Mike. Would you be interested in that? Hmm. I feel like that it might not be as good. Hmm. I feel like that they go together, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So yeah, I it's interesting, and there's there's all kinds of weird uh, modifications um, that you can do with with refills and things. I don't get into, but uh, that's an interesting one. So anyway, we'll we'll leave it at that. If people are interested in refilling rollerballs, I'll find out more. Hmm. All right. I mean, sure, because it's a fun thing to to yeah, I guess to try. But I don't know but, if I would necessarily want to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, mate. Let's wrap it up for today. Cool. 
this was a this was a good episode. I appreciate uh, all the feedback we've been getting. And uh, Mike, how can people get in touch with us? There's a couple of ways you can do that. If you want to uh, send tweets to the show for feedback, follow up, or questions, you can always. If you just use the hashtag #AskTPA on Twitter, they will go into our lovely document, and Brad will pick out some, and we'll address them uh, on each episode. This isn't like the format of the show now, by the way. We just had a few, com- like quite a bunch, come in, and we're just you know getting some done. But I'm sure we'll be going back to normal topics and. We'll be mixing the t- the Ask TPA stuff in as well. You know, we kind of move yep. around up and down, backwards and forwards, that kind of thing. Um, so we're just trying out some new stuff to make sure that the show continues to be exciting and interesting as we are yes. entering our 159th episode this week, you know? So. Yes, yes. And let me, let me sidebar you real quick. We are working on um, a new round of guests for the podcast. And if you have a specific person you would like me to get in touch with for Mike and I to have on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to hear. Indeed. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can tweet Brad. He's at Dowdyism, D-O-W-D-Y-I-S-M. And you can find his work and more ways to contact him over at penaddict.com. And I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. This show has been brought to you by our friends over at lynda.com, Karis Customs, and Field Notes. Support them, please, because they support us. But most of all, thank you for listening and being here with us every single week. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.